With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Baba Metziah Dachav Zayim, page 27. We begin at the Mishnah. Uh, just before we begin the Mishnah, it's important to note that we have a verse, which the Mishnah is based on. The verse is as follows. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 3. The verse says that so shall you do for his donkey, for his shirt, for anything that he's lost, anything your brother has lost, that is lost from him, and you shall find it like you can't turn away from it. So the verse speaks about a donkey, it speaks about a shirt, it speaks about any object that the person lost. So now let's begin the Mishnah. If the Torah had not written the word simla, which means a shirt, it would have been included in the other references to the things that you have to return. The Lama Yata, so why does the Torah single it out to mention a shirt? Why does it have to say it at all? The Hakishilah is coming to teach us that it has to be specifically, the object that's being found that has to be returned has to be specifically like a shirt. Just like in regards to a shirt, it's something which is unique. It has a sign. And has people who are going to lay claim to it. So to anything that has signs. And has people who are going to lay claim to it. Then there'll be an obligation to announce it. And Rashi says this is as opposed to an object which has been made ownerless. Because the owners have given up hope of ever receiving it back again. So in such a case, since nobody's going to lay claim to the object that was found, there will be no obligation to return it. The Torah only obligates one to return something which is similar to a shirt in these respects. We begin the Gemara. What do we mean when we say that if the Torah had left out the word shirt, it would have been included in another part of the verse? Amar Rav, so Rav says, he explains as follows, It would have been included in the part of the verse where it says, anything that your brother shall lose. So that would include even a shirt. That has to be returned. So now, Rav says something else. Why does the Torah have to write four different things? The Torah talks about returning an ox, a donkey, a sheep, and a shirt. What do we need all these different things for? We need them as follows. If the Torah had just written the concept of a shirt, that that's what has to be returned, I would have thought, We would think that the only place that there's an obligation to return a lost object is only if he brings witnesses or signs in regards to the object itself. But if let's say you have a donkey that a person wants to claim, and he has witnesses in regards to the fact that this is his saddle, or he has signs in regards to the, to the saddle, you might think that the donkey itself we won't return. So that's why the Torah had to write the concept of the donkey to teach you that the signs in regards to the saddle will be enough to help you to get back the donkey itself. Now the Gemara says, Shorv is said, because of Rahman Alamali, why does the Torah have to write the concept of the ox and the lamb as well? Sure, so the concept of the ox comes to teach you, that there's even an obligation to return the ox completely down to the very last hair on his tail. Because someone could think that if, let's say, I return the animal completely, but I took some of the hairs from its tail. So you might think that I've returned the animal completely. What's the big deal? I didn't really take anything that's really significant. It's not even a part of the animal. The Torah is coming to teach you that no, you have to return the ox. So from the fact that there's an extra kiss, it's teaching you that no, you have to return everything down to the very last hair on its tail. And the Torah, when it tells us that you have to return a sheep, it's coming to teach you that not only the sheep has to be returned, but even the shearings of the sheep also have to be returned. Now the Gemara says, Why doesn't the Torah just say the concept of the ox? That will teach us that you even have to return it along with the shearings, let's say, of the tail. And certainly, if you have to return the tail hairs of an ox, you certainly have to return the shearings of a sheep. So Rav says as follows, 
There are two places in the Torah that we find that there's a word that seems to be extra, and we don't have a proper explanation for that. One of them is in regards to the word chamor, the word donkey that it says in regards to the pit, which we had in Baba Kama in regards to the damages. According to Rabbi Yehuda, that word seems to be extra. And over here, the word said, the word sheep, in regards to a lost object, that word, according to everybody, is problematic. We don't know what it comes to teach us. So the Gemara asks, Maybe the verse, the extra verse set in regards to a sheep is coming to teach us that there's an obligation even to return manure, excrement. You might have thought that since it's not something that's very important, so therefore it shouldn't be returned. Maybe the verse is coming to teach you that you do return it. The Gemara says, no. The truth is that there's no obligation to return manure because the owners of it, even though it does have a use, nevertheless it's not very important, therefore they leave it ownerless. The Gemara says, Maybe this verse is extra and it's coming to teach us the concept that you return something when someone brings a sign. We have a shayla, we have an actual question. The fact that we return something when someone brings a sign, is that something that we know from the Torah, or is that something that the sages instituted? So maybe the Torah wrote the word seh, sheep, to teach us that even with a sign alone, that's going to be enough for you to, to claim your object. And the concept of the sign, in fact, works from the Torah. So says, no. We can say like this, from the fact that we see that the Mishnah when it talks about the concept of a sign, where do we see it by? So the Mishnah learns it out from the concept of the shirt. The Katani says, Just like a shirt is something which is unique, it has a sign, and has people who lay claim to it, there's an obligation to announce it. So to anything that has a sign, or has signs, and it has people who are laying claim to it, there's going to be an obligation to announce it. So it's clear from the Mishnah, from the fact that it associates the concept of signs with the concept of the shirt, so it's not being learned out at all from the word seh, from the word sheep. Tanarabon, we have a brysa. Asher tova, the verse says that you have to return any object that was lost. Prat la'aveda sheba shavapruta. So the Tanakama here holds, the first Tana in this brysa holds, that this is coming to exclude any object that does not have the value of a pruta, which is a minimum value, like a penny. If it's worth less than a penny, so it doesn't have a significant value, and therefore it's not included in the verse, it has to be something that's been lost, it has to be something significant that's been lost. This is not something that's significant, therefore there's no obligation to return it. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, I want to learn this stuff from a different verse. Umatzos so the verse says, and you shall find it, Prat Laveda. It has to be a significant find. It's going to exclude a lost object, of a Pruta, which does not even have the value of a Pruta like a penny. My Bainai, what's the difference between the Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda? They're both learning out the same concept. What's the difference between the two ways that they learn it? Amr Abaye, There's no real practical difference. The only difference is where they hold that you learn it out from in the verse. The Tanakama learns it out, as we said, from the words Asher Tovad, anything that's lost. That has to be something significant lost. And Rabbi Huda learns it out from the word you shall find as to be a significant find. Now, according to the Tanakam who learns it out from the words that you shall lose, so what does he do with the verse that Rabbi Huda uses, which says you shall find? So Gemara says he requires that word for the following thing that Rabbi Noy learned out. The verse says you shall find it. It's coming to teach you that it has to be something that enters into your hand. What does that mean? So Rashi explains as follows, that the verse also says that there's only an obligation for a person to return a lost object to another Jew, because the verse says, Achicha. It's a special, a special Gzeras HaKasuv. The Torah is teaching us God's will is that a Jew has to return an object which is lost to another Jew. There's no obligation for a Jew to return it to a non-Jew. So now, you might have thought 
that when do we say that there's no obligation? You might have thought that it means specifically where you haven't touched it. If you haven't touched it yet, so then there's no obligation to return it. But if you picked it up, and it turns out that it belongs to a non-Jew, you would have an obligation to return it to the non-Jew. So no, that's why the Torah says, Umatsasa, you shall find that this is coming to teach you that it got to your hands already. And even though it got to your hands already, the only person you have to return it to is Achicha, your brother, but not to a non-Jew. Now, I just want to point out and try to understand why would it be that the Torah would only obligate a Jew to return it to another Jew and not to a non-Jew. And I think the pshat, the understanding is a similar idea to why we find that ribis interest is not permitted to be charged to another Jew, but it is permitted to be charged to a non-Jew. And the reason is because interest is something and keeping an object which you have found is something which really by rights you should be able to do. If I lend you money and you have a benefit from it, you should pay me for that benefit. If I find an object which is lost, it's, it's finders, keepers, losers, weepers. I mean, that's really how it should be. However, the Torah places an extra obligation that we have to view as a Jew. We have to view every single other Jew as our brother. And therefore, just like a brother, if you found your brother's thing, you would want to return the thing that belongs to him. Even though by rights you should be able to keep it. But he's your brother. You want to do something different for your brother. You have a special love for him. The Torah wants to encourage a love, a connection between Jews, and that's why there's an obligation for a Jew to return a lost object to another Jew. And that's why there's an obligation not to take interest from another Jew. But it does not apply to a non-Jew. Now the Gemara says, According to Rabbi Yehuda, who learns out that there has to be a shavah proof that has to have a certain value in order for it to be considered something that has to be returned. He learns that after the word umatsasa, you shall find, that has to be a significant find. So what does he do with the other verse that says, that shall be lost? What does he do with that verse? So he needs it for the following statement of Rabbi Yechanan, that he said, the name of Rabbi Yechanan, how do you know that if you have a lost object that was taken by a that is permitted for the person who finds it to keep it, because the verse says, So shall you do, meaning you shall return it, anything that was lost by your brother from him, and you have found it. So there's an obligation to return it only if it was lost from him and anyone else can find it. It would exclude this case where it's taken by a river, because it's lost from him, and also no one else can access it as long as the river has it. Now the Gemara says, "Ve'idach, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Hadir Rabbi Noi Minale. How does he know the statement of Rabbi Noi that it has to be something that you already picked up? How does he know that he uses the word umatzasa to teach you that it has to be something that has value?" So the Gemara answers, "Nafkalei me umatzasa." He learns that from the extra vav, it could have just said matzasa if it was found. What does it say? Umatzasa, and you will find. So that extra letter vav, the word and, implies that we're talking about a case where it was already found. It's already entered into your hands. What about the other one? So if he's using the words Asher Toiva to teach you that it has to have a certain value, so how does he know Rabbi Yechanan's concept that if a river takes it, it's permitted to be kept? We learn it out from the word Mimenu. It says Asher Toiva Mimenu shall be lost from him. Why does the Torah have to say from him? It could have just said that will be lost. The words from him are extra. That's coming to teach us both things. And the other one who doesn't learn it out from that, he doesn't hold it extra. He holds that it had to say the word mimenu, and it's not considered something that's extra. So until now we've been saying, according to Abaye, that there's no difference really, it's all semantics, whether we learn out the fact that it has to have value from the words Asher Tovat, that will be lost, or from the words Umatzasa, you shall find, that it has to be something significant. Rav says differently, Rav, there is actually a practical difference which part of the verse you learn, learn it out from. And the case will be, if let's say you have something which has a value of a pruta, the minimum value, and then it goes down in value, meaning, when he originally lost it, it had value. When it was found, it did not have value. So now, Man Amar Asher Tovat, 
Ikka. So according to one who says that you have to have lost something of value, so you'll have to return this thing even though now it doesn't have any value. Umana or umatsasa leka. But according to the one who said that we learned it out from the fact that it has to have value from the word umatsasa, you shall find, that's be a significant find, so there will be no obligation to return it because right now it has no value and you found it. The Gemara says, hold on a second. Even according to the one who says that we learn that it has to have value from the fact that it says, Asher Tova, that you shall lose. In any event, the verse does say that you have to find something. Clearly, you have to find something that has value. If you find something that has no value, then you're not going to have to return it. And he has to agree to that. So the Gemara tries to say, Maybe we'll tell you that it originally did not have value and was lost. And now it went up in value. Now it does have value. And that will be the difference. According to the one who says you have to find something of value, Ikka. So then you'll have to return it because it has value now. According to the one who says that we learn enough from the fact that it says you shall lose it, it has to be a significant loss. So when it was lost, it didn't have a significant value. So therefore there will be no obligation to return it. So Mar says, hold on. Again, according to the one who says that you have to return it. Why? Because it says you have to find something. Here you found something. But it also says that you have to lose something of significant value. And that's missing in this case since when it originally was lost, it didn't have value. So the Gemara says, Elapruto the case is talking about a case where you had a pruta, a coin that originally had value. Then it went down in value to the point where it didn't have a significant value. Then it went back up in value such that at the point when it was lost and at the point when it was found, both times it had value. So now, according to one who says that the significant point in time that has to have value is when it was lost. So therefore you have to return it. Since when it was lost, it had value. But according to one who learns it out from the fact that you're finding something of significance significant value, what's it coming to say? So it's coming to teach you that you needed to have a value from the time that it was lost all the way until and successively until it was found. So therefore, if at any point in time it did not have a significant value, there's not going to be an obligation for the person who's found it to return it. The Gemara continues, I'll ask you a question. When we talk about the concept of a person being able to claim something by saying what the signs are on the object, is that claim something that's backed up by the Torah, meaning from the Torah it's considered that it's his, or is this something that the sages created? So the Gemara says, what's the difference? As we know, you know, whether the Torah says it or the sages say it, there's an equal obligation and it has equal power. So we turn to Dav Chavzayin on page 27b. Our answer is, The difference will be in regards to returning a get, a divorce document of a woman, if there are simon, if there are signs that the person is claiming it with. And Rashi explains that the case is talking about a case where there's a shliach, a messenger that was sent by the husband to bring this divorce document to the wife on the way he lost it, and then he has signs to say that he knows that this is the document that belongs to him that he's supposed to bring to this woman. Now, so now, if from the Torah, when a person says simon, he says the signs, that has the power to transfer back into his possession, so then we would return it if he brings signs. However, if we say that it's only from the sages that see money, that signs have the ability to be a proper claim, when did the sages say that you can have this concept, that it's going to transfer into your possession? Only in regards to money matters, because the sages have the ability to transfer something from one person's possession, even if it's rightfully it belongs to him. Nevertheless, the sages can say it's not yours anymore, it belongs to a different person. So even though from the Torah, see money, the signs do not help a person to be able to get back his object, it remains in possession of the person who found it. Nevertheless, the sages have the ability to take away something that belongs to one person and put it in the possession of the other person. 
So the sages and the Torah courts only had this power in regards to something which is a monetary issue of al isura, but in regards to something which has a prohibited nature, for instance, a woman being permitted to marry somebody else, or being forbidden to marry someone else, the sages would not have the ability, the power, to be able to say that this woman is actually permitted if in fact she's actually prohibited. So again, that's the difference. If it's from the Torah, that is the power to claim it through simon, through signs, so then indeed, there'll be no problem to give this get to the woman. The divorce document will work, because it's considered that he got it back rightfully. However, if it's from the sages, so then he won't be able to do that. He won't be able to claim back this thing without some witnesses that are actually saying that it's his, and then take the thing and then go give it to the woman, because it's going to make her mother, she's going to be permitted to marry other people, when in fact from the Torah, it's not permitted for her to marry anyone, because this document from the Torah does not really belong to her. So again, the question is, is it from the Torah, from the sages, that a person is able to lay claim to an object with signs? Toshim, the tries to bring a proof on the following case. From our Mishnah, We said that the shirt, if the Torah had not written the word shirt, we would have known that one would have to return a shirt, because it says, anything that's lost. So why did the Torah specifically say a case of a shirt? It's going to teach you that there's a connection to this shirt, specifically something that's similar to a shirt. To tell you as follows, Just like a shirt is something which is unique and has signs and has people who are going to lay claim to it is therefore there's an obligation to announce it so to anything that has signs and has people who are going to lay claim to it those have to be announced so what we see here is that if a person lays claim with simon with signs it's from the Torah we learn out from a Torah verse that you will indeed have to return it so Gemara says no the Mishnah is just coming to say that the verse is necessary to teach us that there have to be people laying claim in order to return it. Simanim kedinasva. And simanim, the concept of returning something with signs, that was just brought along the way. Really, that's from the sages it could be. And the only thing that we actually learn out from the verse is the fact that there's an obligation to return an object which is being laid claim to, but it's being done in a proper way with witnesses. If it's only being done with signs, so it could be that such a claim only works from the sages. Tashamar, the Gemara tries to bring another proof. Chamor Ukuf. We said that the verse says the word Chamor, a donkey, it's coming to teach us that a donkey can be claimed even with the signs of its saddle. So here we see that it's from the Torah that a person can claim something with signs. The Gemara says, no, Ema Ukuf. We could say that what the Bryce actually means, or we could change the Bryce to actually say that you're claiming it with witnesses who know that this saddle belongs to you. Tashamar, the Gemara tries to bring a different proof. The verse says that you hold on to the object that you found until the person who it belongs to comes to claim it. The Gemara says, what do you think, that you're supposed to give it to the person before he claims it? How are you supposed to know it's his? So what we do is we check him out to see if he's a trickster or not. The Gemara says, what does this price mean? Maybe it means that the way that you're figuring out whether or not he's a trickster is by asking him for signs to prove that it's his. Thus we would see that signs that he work from the Torah. Simon would be the Oray. Where says no. Lo, it's not a proof. Be'edim, because I can tell you that we're talking about a case that the way that you're checking out if he's a trickster is if he's able to bring witnesses that say it's his. Tashima, Gemara tries to bring another proof. We find in regards to a woman whose husband has gone off to a foreign land, and she doesn't know what happened to him. He never came home. Someone comes and says that I saw that he was dead, and so they say, how do you know that it was him? So he has to respond with signs identifying the person. So the Bryce here is saying that the only identifying features that are going to work are features 
of his face, including his nose. But if he uses something else, even if he brings signs that have to do with his body or his clothing, it's not going to be good enough. So we can deduce from here that the fact that he can prove what kind of clothes he wore, the fact that he can prove what was on his body, that's not going to be good enough. So clearly signs, for example, like the ones that we've mentioned that indeed do work, like if let's say an animal had upon it a certain type of saddle, and he's able to identify it, that's not going to be good from the Torah. Because if it was good from the Torah, so then it could be able to identify a person to, to say that he's dead in order that his wife be able to remarry. We said that that's not true. The Gemara says, no. Amri, we will say like this, really it could be that signs do work from the Torah. But the reason over here these signs are not working is because they're not such good signs. When we talk about the fact that he's bringing a sign to his body, what's he describing? He's describing that he's tall or short. That's something that could apply to a hundred different people. Caleb, when we talk about his clothing, the chashin and the she'ela, the reason that it's not going to be good enough that he says that he's wearing this individualized clothing is because we're afraid that perhaps it was a different person and he had borrowed the clothing of this person. So when he says, hold on a second, if it would be true that we're concerned to the fact that this thing might have been borrowed, how can we return a donkey if somebody brings the signs of the saddle? It could be the saddle belongs to one person and the donkey belongs to a different person because the saddle was borrowed. Amri, so we say like this, Ukuf, in regards to a saddle, People don't usually lend out their saddle, because it's something that's going to irritate the donkey. Why? Because it was made out of leather, and thus it would conform itself to the donkey that it was usually upon, and if it would be placed on a different donkey, so it would be very uncomfortable for the donkey, and it would irritate it, so people wouldn't usually lend out their saddles. Yibayisim, another possible answer, Caleb, when we talk about the clothing, the reason that it's not a good sign, it could be it's not because of lending or not lending, it's because we're talking about signs where someone is saying he had a white shirt on or a red shirt on and therefore that's not enough of a description in order to be able to prove that it's this person so it could be that even from the Torah, simonim, that are proper simonim, proper signs, so then they could be that you would be able to claim your item with them. So Gemara says, Elohatatanya, we have a problem with something that we just said. We just said that we have to be concerned at certain times that perhaps something was lent out, like clothing. So we have a price that seems to say not that way. Matzai kashur bekis of arniki, of tabas. Rashi says, the case is talking about where you had a get, a divorce document that was being brought by a messenger from a husband to his wife to divorce her. Now on the way he loses it. But later on, like a month later, or a significant time later, he finds it amongst his stuff. So he finds it either in his purse, or in his wallet, or in a ring, his signet ring. Or she must have been Caleb, or he found it amongst his other utensils. I feel this mamaruba, even if it's a long time later, kosher. It's fine. Now the Gemara says, It would be true that we have to be concerned in regards to signs, that somebody lends his thing out. How can he be so confident that this is indeed the get, the divorce document that he was supposed to bring? Perhaps he lent out this object that he found it in to a friend of his and that guy was bringing a divorce document that was similar with the same people and therefore perhaps this is not the document that he was bringing so we say no that's not a proof. Amri, we say like this, kiss in regards to a purse, a wallet, or a signet ring, that's not something that ordinarily a person would lend out. And therefore, ordinarily, we do assume that in fact people have lent something out, and it's not going to be a proper sign in regards to what he's wearing, let's say. But here it's different. The reason a person doesn't lend out his purse or his wallet is because it's a bad sign. When you give away your wallet or you lend out your wallet, so it looks like you're giving away your muzzle, you're giving away your money. And when it comes to a ring, a signet ring, the reason that you don't lend that out is because somebody's going to take it, he's going to use it, he's going to write false documents with your signet ring. So therefore, since these things are never lent out, so the messenger has the right to assume that in fact it's been with him all along, and this document as well has been with him all along, therefore when he finds it, he can go and bring it to the woman, there's no problem. 
The Gemara says, Lame Ketanoi. Let us say that this issue, whether or not Simonim, signs are going to be considered from the Torah that they work, or it's only from the sages that they work, let us say that it's actually an argument between Tanoim, as follows. hashuma. In regards to a person who has died, so if you want to know if you can identify him based on a certain wart, let's say, that's on his pinky, so according to Tanakama, according to the first Tana here, so it's not permitted to use such a sign. However, Elazar ben Mahavoy says, hashuma, that you can't testify based on a Award, meaning it's going to be a proper sign. Now the Gemara says, Perhaps the argument here has to do with this. The Tanakam holds you can't bring such a sign in regards to death because it's only from the sages that it works. So if you say something about a word, it's not going to be a proper proof. And that no, signs work from the Torah, and therefore the word is going to be a proper sign, even in regards to Isurin, that you're permitting a woman to remarry. Amarava, so Rav says no. That's not that's not what's going on here. The Kuli Amasimanim Darais. Everyone agrees it could be that Simanim signs indeed work from the Torah. Here the issue has to do with something completely different. There's a concept of Ben Gilai. Somebody's born under the same constellation, call it under the same star, the same exact moment as you. So he has the same exact muzzle, and therefore his life is going to play itself out in a similar way in a certain sense. So now the issue is to do like this. So the one who says that you can't bring such a sign in regards to the the wart on his pinky is because he holds that it's not only this person who might have that wart in the, that exact spot on his pinky, but anyone who was born at the same exact moment as him, he's going to have the same mazel, he's going to have the same zodiac sign, therefore, he's also going to have something like that, a wart on his pinky, and therefore, it's not a proof. And the one who says that it is a good proof is because he holds that the mazel of a person does not affect him in this way. The constellation that a person is born under doesn't affect him that he's going to have the same exact wart on his pinky. Everyone agrees that, in fact, a wart is not going to be found on a person who was born under the same star. Here, the issue has to do with whether or not a sign when he was alive is that going to change after he dies so the one who says it's not a proper sign is because he holds that sometimes things can change after a person dies so even though he's saying that this person had a white wart and indeed this woman's husband had a white wart it could, it could be that this is a different person who had a black wart and it changed into a white wart and the white wart would have changed into a black wart and therefore you can't assume indeed that this is the same person and the one who says that indeed it is a good sign he holds that signs do not change after death. Another possibility. It could be that everyone agrees that the uh, the signs do not change after a person dies. And really, signs indeed only work from the sages. However, the issue here has to do with the fact that we can have a sign which is so strong that even though signs only work from the sages, nevertheless, it's going to be a proper proof, even in regards to something which affects the oraisa, a halacha that has to do with an iser, with a prohibition. So now, the one who says that indeed it's a proper sign is because he holds that a shuma, a wart, is something that's a serious, considerable sign. Therefore, it works. It's going to prove that it was her husband. The one who says it's not a good sign, shuma it's because he holds that indeed a wart is not a considerable, a significant sign. Rav says like this, If you're going to say that in fact Simon signs are not from the Torah, How could it be that we're able to return a lost object with signs? Meaning, how did the sages institute this concept? With what power? Actually, the person who finds the lost object, he's happy to return it with signs. Just like if he had lost the lost object, so he would like it that they should return it to him 
same with law signs. Rav Safra, the Rav is, hold on a second. Rav Safra says to Rav like this, Can you do a favor for someone else with money that's not yours? Meaning, we can't focus in on what the person who has found the object wants. It's irrelevant what he wants. It's not even his. So the focus has to be as follows. Rather, the concept is that the person who has lost the object, he would prefer that it be given over to whoever brings the proper signs, and that he should be able to take it. Made the other the Adam Leslie because he knows that he doesn't have any witnesses, and therefore Umemer Amar. So he says to himself, Most people do not know the proper signs of it. I'm going to give the proper signs, and therefore I'm going to be able to take it. The Gemara says, Hold on a second. We have the following Mishnah. Right? We said that if let's say you find three documents, and all three of them contain the same borrower, so you return it to the borrower. But if you have three documents, and they're all talking about the person who lent it, it's the same person who lent it, but three different people who borrowed, so we return it to the person who has lent. So, in the case where we're returning it to the person who had lent out the money, what, the person, let's say it was the love, let's say it indeed was the person who had borrowed the money, who had lost these documents, for whatever reason he had the other documents with him. So what, he would prefer that you give it back to the person who's the malva, who's the lender? It wouldn't work out there. Amarlei, so we responded as follows. Hasam svaruhu. Over there, it's a svar. It makes sense as follows. That if one person is the one who's borrowing it, so clearly we return it to the person who's borrowing, even though there are three other people that are involved because there are three other people that we're lending. Because it's more common that you have three documents that have the same guy who's borrowing, that that's who lost it, the guy who borrowed. But in regards to the person who had lent the money, it's not common for him to have documents that belong to other people. So we can deduce from here that from whom did it fall? From the lower, from the borrower. And when we have three documents that all have the same lender, but three different people who borrowed, so we return it to the lender. Because it's clearly evident that it fell down from the malve, the person who's lending, and not from the person who's borrowing. So the more continues on Chaches on Allah, page 28a. What do you do with the following Mishnah? If you find a bundle of documents, or a different type of bundle of documents, so you return it. So what's it talking about? It seems to be talking about a case where you have multiple documents that are written between the same leva and malva, the same borrower and lender. So In this case, we're returning it to the person who lent the money. What, do you think that the lover, the borrower, is happy with the fact that you're going to return it to the malva, the person who lent the money? It can't be. So it must be, says Rava, that really signs, the fact that they work, are going to be from the Torah. Because the verse says, The verse says that you hold on to the item that you found until the person comes to claim it. How can you give it to a person before he actually claims it? What it's coming to say is that when he comes, you have to check him out to make sure that he's not a trickster. What are we talking about? It must be talking about where you're checking him out with signs. So it's a proper proof. So the bottom line here is, to answer our question, whether or not Simon and the signs work from the Torah, or they only work from the sages, the Gemara seems to be saying that we see that it works from the Torah.